Welcome to System Mastery, the podcast where we beat a dead horse 1d6 damage at a time. I'm Jeff, and my co-host John and I want to take you on a magical journey of never-ending, navel-gazing character creation. The game is Nephilim. French people made it. It has a hidden surprise at the very end that you have to read all the way through to earn. I'm sad that I'm reviewing it. This is System Mastery. And welcome back, John. How are you this week? Uh, uh, you know, it's been a week. It's been a rough week. Look, why don't we get this out of the way first? To all of our non-American listeners, we apologize. America is currently experiencing technical difficulties. <laughs> yeah, right now, America is like just just one of those big bars of different colors, and it's just a high-pitched whine of danger. Yeah, there's a band symbol over the sad picture of an Indian in the middle of the, of the screen. <laughs> yeah. It's... <laughs> There is a picture of a guy mopping, and it just says, please bless this mess. Yeah, so, I don't, man. Anyway, we, we sure tried to review a game this, or to read a game this week. <laughs> yep. Boy, howdy. It's just a new atrocity every day. <laughs> and meanwhile, we got to read Nephilim. Yeah, meanwhile, Nephilim's happening. And you know, when you're using Nephilim as your distraction from the world, you know something's gone real bad. <laughs> I'll read anything. You know, it's going to be real good next week, John, when I finally make you read that Star Wars book. It's, yeah, that's going to be great when that finally doesn't happen still. No, that's going to happen. You're going to read it. <laughs> Legitimate escapism. Uh, All right. So Nephilim. Nephilim. Nephilim is a 1994 game made by a French company and originally written in French. We have a translation here. Yeah, we have the French translation, which... Yeah, we have the French translation, which was yeah. tricky for us to get through. Yeah. Because only I speak any French at all. John speaks none. Hey, man, I know fromage. Uh, <laughs> Do you know omelette? <laughs> omelette du fromage? <laughs> mm. uh, let's see, what a noir? <laughs> what, what do I got in the old... French repertoire. Ooh, oh, a. repertoire. Ooh, look at you. <laughs> Ooh, a la bibliothèque. Oh, we. Oui. <laughs> so uh, we have the English translation of, of the French game Nephilim. So to, to boil up what Nephilim is into a couple of easy peasy words, it's Immortal the Invisible War. Yeah, it, it really is. I don't know what happened in like the early 90s where people who were making games were like, oh, I know what I need to do weird hidden society demigod shenanigans that want to do enlightenment you're like what, what? yeah because these these games came out at the same time this nephilim pretty much dropped yeah, this it. this is the deep impact and armageddon of rpgs it's the bugs life and ants of rpgs <laughs> uh <laughs> these two came out in 1994 they're both games where you play as nascent godlike precursor human people who came before that have become spirits that can possess people or form new bodies for themselves that uh that are seeking enlightenment but there are dark powers that wish to stop them but not really yeah it, and it, man just like uh in immortal it also gave us that dinosaurs were super intelligent and had their own rad society and had a civilization and were rad wizards but are all gone now and there's literally no evidence that they were rad wizards or anything yeah i love that both of them decided that there was like oh yeah no dinosaurs totally they ran around and they were like 
Ah, I would like to make a civilization. Hello, good sir. I am a wizard. Uh, they never really mentioned that the dinosaurs, you know, there there are millions of species of dinosaurs spread over millions, hundreds of millions of years. They're always just like, at one point, dinosaurs were super intelligent, all of them, and they were all there and they had a party. <laughs> and in this one, they, uh, well, there are five elements of power in the world. Mm-hmm. So you have earth, fire, air, water, and uh, moon. It, uh-oh. <laughs> It's not uh, heart. It's not heart. Oh, I'm sorry. Is it metal? <laughs> fucking metal. <laughs> it's, it's Slayer. <laughs> uh, and the moon is the last one. They couldn't even give an element to it. It's just also the moon. Yeah, it is the moon. And so yeah. dinosaurs made a black moon where <laughs> they got more power, but then they they drew too greedily and too deep. Yeah, and so in di- come the Nephilim. Yeah, so dinosaurs basically got smart and decided that the moon was radiating magic that felt real good. Like they were the dinosaurs, like, oh, this gives us super intelligence magic. So they were like, well, we can use more magic to create a bonus moon, and that'll <laughs> make us even more happier. Yeah, great. And then we'll just soak up that moon energy. So they made a black moon, uh, which worked. It made them all double happy, but it also messed up all the other magic. All the careful fields of magic between the various elements were all kinds of screwy because of the two-moon situation, and the solar magic wasn't even working at all anymore. And then Nephilim showed up because they were like, hey, guys, hey, hey, dinosaurs, you guys can't have two moons. That's Cut it out. That's too many moons, guys. That's, that's too many moons. <laughs> that's way too many moons. <laughs> I was told there was only going to be one moon. <laughs> this is a terrible time period. <laughs> but, so... The Nephilim band together, and the Nephilim at this time are spirits that take on the forms of every mythical animal you've ever heard of. And all of them are, they all have the five elements within them, but there's always one that is dominant. So they'll be able to tap into all of the various elements, but, you know, if you're a satyr, then you're an earth. Yeah, you're you're like, more, okay, you're more earthican, yeah. But if you're, same thing if you're an elf, but if you're a triton, then you're super waterized. Yeah. So... The, the Nephilim band together and use their Nephi magic to blow up the extra moon. They blow up the ocean. They blow up the they blow up the ocean, and then they also blow up the extra moon. <laughs> and uh, that has the wonderful benefit of getting fucking everything dust. up. Yeah, it gets black moon dust all over everything, which has lowered the overall energy of things. Yeah, it demagics things quite a bit. So now the Nephilim can no longer just sort of be like, oh, I create a body out of just, like, magic essence. Yeah, and, and if you're wondering, around. you know, what Nephilim are... Nephilim are just... They're just energy. It's just all they are. Yeah, they're just they're just energy. They're it's not... sentient magic. Yeah, they're just sentient magic. They're not sentient element. That's a different thing. No. Like, a, you could have a fire wyvern, for example. It's just some some fire that woke up. And decide to go for a walk, uh, but but Nephilim have to be made of all the elements and are magic. Yep. Now, any connection to the biblical term Nephilim uh, is purely coincidental. Co- well, no, it's it's <laughs> mapped over them because this is one of those games where they like they're like everything that's ever happened in human history makes sense when viewed through the lens that the Nephilim are real. Yeah, it's all of these books that decide that there's some secret hidden thing in the world, and not even just like immortal or Nephilim. But, like, Vampire the Masquerade, any time where they're like, oh, yeah, there's something and it's actually real, it's always like, 
Oh, everything. They're 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 everything. Don't worry about it's it. It's really funny when they do that in White Wolf and they're like, vampires are the source of the legend of werewolves and mummies <laughs> and ghosts. Ghosts are just vampires just ghosting around. Uh we just came out with a book called Ghost, where you play as ghosts. Okay, well those ghosts are ghosts. <laughs> Obviously. But, duh. I mean there are there are ghosts. <laughs> I mean there there are there are vampires that are ghosts, but they're also just ghosts. So yeah, all of these are like, oh a Nephilim who doesn't have a body and is just floating around as a spirit, that's where poltergeists come from. You're like, okay, yeah. fine. So the Black Moon, uh, certain Nephilim decided that they were of the Black Moon. <laughs> well, the that thing comes after we get the Oracolka. Much, much later. All right, so let's get let's get through this. The, the White Moon has been suffused with Black Moon dust. It is irrevocably tainted and is now a creepy, mysterious magic force, as opposed to a good, safe one like all the other magic forces. Uh, this is because of racial purity. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 it's, uh, it's not the book's fault that it reads that way. <laughs> but, as soon as that black moon starts moving in, ruins yeah. the whole white moon. Yeah, apparently forever. There's no getting back from it. Yeah, uh, but anyway, uh, so. So the Black Moon uh, has infused every element and and dropped down its power level a little bit. Uh, the dinosaurs are significantly less magical, and they die. Yep, they get killed off because they were all addicted to, like, Black Moon magic. They were basically, like, blood elves. Yeah, blood elves that were dinosaurs. Yeah. Got addicted to, to energy from their bonus Black Moon, and then when it was destroyed, it killed them all. Uh, also, a spoiler of my character, bonus Black Moon. <laughs> I'm sorry, bonus Black Moon has died. <laughs> no! <laughs> uh, so, God, this history, man. Uh, so Nephilim decide to start looking for a race they can use to get the extra magic, the solar Ka magic, the magic of the sun itself. Oh, yeah, all all the energy is called Ka, by Ka. the way. Yeah, so... so uh, they, they eventually, after looking at a lot of different species over many hundreds of millions of years, settle on humans as a perfect vessel uh, for solar cost storage and study. Yeah, because humans have a lot of solar ka in them, mm -hmm. and so uh, they can kind of tap into that, and they are, like, intelligent enough that, like, inhabiting them will be good instead of just going like, I inhabited a snake. Oh, I'm a snake. <laughs> uh, snake. I, I want snake stuff I'm gonna go tell those people to eat an apple I'm a snake well, I mean, The legend of Adam and Eve comes from Nephilim Well it does still Because there are Nephilim that go into snakes Yeah So I mean everything Everything is covered under the 24 Arcana Plus the 0 Arcana of Nephilim uh, Anyway we So they, they pick humans and they start Raising humans like cows, and they do this by raising a, a continent called Atlantis and covering it with humans that they can leave there until one Nephilim named Prometheus. <laughs> and keep in mind, this is all happening like pre-Egypt. Yeah. Um, named Prometheus goes and tells all the humans that they're being fucked with because he's a... Yeah, he brings he brings the knowledge of, hey man, you guys, uh, you guys are just getting wrecked by these Nephilim. You should probably uh, not... Yeah, he lets them know that they have been eternally rickrolled by the mighty Nephilim. <laughs> he, he shows up on Atlantis and goes, Good evening, you are all cucks. <laughs> I bring the secrets of fire. Uh, and this red pill. <laughs> the fire is the spicy part of this sourdough jack. <laughs> I, okay, so 
Prometheus tells the humans that they're being fucked with and they get mad. And so they start trying to rebel against Nephilim, but it's hard because Nephilim are quite powerful. And, and this th is where the origin of weird secret societies come from. Yes. like And the, all of them exist. So Every one of them. The Rosicrucians, the Templars, the uh, Freemasons, all that shit. Everything plus a ton that you have never heard of. Uh, which also do exist. Uh, they, they used a lot of historical references here. Oh, yeah, you've got the Assassins. The, the Bavarian and, Illuminati. Yeah, just yeah. everything. The people who know exactly how many flavors there are at Baskin-Robbins. <laughs> everyone? No, they, most people think there's 31. There's a secret hidden flavor, yeah. and it is resistance. <laughs> All right, so uh, so at this point, a meteor from Saturn comes crashing into Earth. Oh, yeah, because all of the uh, elements are technically like the sun's energy, the solar ka, bouncing off of other planets. So the fire ka is solar energy hitting Mars and then bouncing back, and that's where we get fire come. Right, and air is Mercury, and water is Venus, and so on and so forth. Uh, I forget, I'm not I'm not. Jupiter right. is Earth. Jupiter is Earth. And then, of course, the moon is Uranus. Yes, the moon is Uranus. <laughs> uh, <laughs> when the moon hits Uranus. <laughs> oh, like a big pizza penis. <laughs> like a big, big pizza, pizza penis. <laughs> this is terrible. That's amore. <laughs> When I was a kid, I was like, like when I'm talking like seven or eight, I was obsessed with singing, adding new verses to that, just because there's a lots of words that are also more. Yeah, like when an eel that's real big bites your hand, and it stings, that's a more. Yeah, yeah. I just I just did that all day. Well, even one for more, the the term that is a, a societal law. <laughs> uh, anyway, moving right along here, uh, the Oracalcum meteor from Saturn made of an element that is not normally found on Earth, comes crashing down to Earth. The humans examine it and discover it contains oracalca, a, a metal which can damage and even kill Nephilim. Although, I mean, it's weird. I don't know if it's the translation or what's going on, because it's sort of unclear if the meteor itself, like the meteorite metal, the oracle is what oracalca is. Mm -hmm. Because later on it talks about oracalca as being just the energy from Saturn, and you can find it in whatever. I think it's both. I think when the when the meteor crashed, it started a whole wave of there being oracalcum all over the place. Yeah. Like, there wasn't before, but after it crashed, there was. Like, it, it changed the magical properties of the Earth. Because before, we didn't have anything past uh, Jupiter for yeah. what energies hit Earth. But as soon as Saturn's came, apparently Oracalca, Saturn's thing is just the death of all energy because Oracalca is like the antimatter to cause matter. Yes. And when they touch, they both blow up and explode. Yeah. And when they kiss. When they touch. <laughs> danger, danger. High voltage. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I just don't want to talk about this game. <laughs> I All right. So... So Oracalca shows up, and uh, it changes the, the, the playing field, so to speak. Now humans, some of them, keep using their secret societies, have become the Oracalca men. People who can use the power of Oracalcum to kill Nephilim. Yeah, and uh, it's the only thing, because normally a, a Nephilim will be inhabiting a body. Mm -hmm. uh, they possess humans pretty much against their will, uh, and they these are called simulacrum. Mm -hmm. So a simulacrum is what the uh, Nephilim call the body they're inhabiting. Yep. And if you kill that, then the Nephilim's just kind of sad and is like, oh, now I gotta go find a new body. Yeah, and that's all. But 
with Oracolcum, you can actually destroy the energy that makes up a Nephilim and for realsies kill them. Yes. So all of a sudden, humans become a very real threat to the uh, Nephilim. Uh, the Nephilim respond, a, a small subset of them respond by bonding with the dust of the black moon and becoming the Selenim instead of the Nephilim. And the Selenim are every legend you've ever heard of, of like a gross, dark evil. Yeah, they're vampires. Werewolves, ghouls. So they feed off of humans because they just feed off of the solar ka on them by like drinking their blood or eating them or whatever. Yeah, they, they trade the ability of using all of the elemental ka for the for the soul ability to eat by eating element or solar ka from humans. And in exchange, they do not suffer uh, vulnerability to orakalka, but instead suffer new weird vulnerabilities, you know, like silver and lemons in their mouths. Running water. And running, yeah, all that sort of having stuff. Having to count a bunch of seeds. <laughs> yeah, having to count sesame seeds if you put those in their hands and stapling yellow ribbons to their heads. <laughs> Putting them in a crossroads. Burying them in a crossroads with a lemon in their mouth. Yeah. Everything's got a lemon in their mouth. I don't know whose fetish that was. <laughs> uh, it was probably Shelbyville. <laughs> yeah. Those Shelbyville weirdos and their lemons. <laughs> Getting that good Simpsons reference in there. Well done, sir. <laughs> All right, so uh, so there, there's, that's the origin of the Selenim, who become mighty, dangerous rulers for a time in this prehistory, uh, because they are powerful enough to to bully about the the humans. Now you might be wondering, we've gone on for quite a while on this history of the Nephilim. Are you playing in this weird past? Oh goodness, no! You're in the present day, but this book goes on and on and on about shit that's like. Ah, Akhenaten in the Egyptian Empire decided to make tablets that talked about how to be a Nephilim, and these are the Arcana, and for some reason he based this on tarot, even though he's Akhenaten. All right, sure, why not? <laughs> Whatever. I mean, granted, there's like that Bavarian Illuminati, which organizes its members into eight groups that are divided up amongst the people who were on the Argo. The Argo. <laughs> Uh, oh, you're in group eight. You can be Argo or Jason. Great. It's like, well, why would Bavarians do that? Uh, don't worry about it. <laughs> nah, so, like yeah. it. So, so Akhenaten, the, the Nephilim emperor of pre-dynastic Egypt, uh, was obsessed with organizing and categorizing formats of power that the Nephilim would use in an attempt. And here it comes, folks. The, the, this is the whole goal of the Nephilim game, because you play as the Nephilim. The whole thing you want to do, and what he was trying to do so much, is reach Agartha. Yeah, Agartha. Agartha. You know, Agartha. Yeah, Agartha. You have to get to Agartha. I don't think we even need to explain that. Everyone knows what Agartha is. Yeah, I think Agartha is one of those giant beetle monsters that the, <laughs> yeah, that the from... War Master sends out in, in Dark Crystal. Yeah, because you see, the uh, <laughs> there was a, a meteor that came from Saturn, and it then the crystal cracked. And... Yeah, it cracked the crystal, and then... And then the Gelflings were separated, so that you could the uh, the boy Gelflings were no longer able to see the girl Gelflings, and the girl Gelflings had to go live with the Pod people. Oh yeah, yeah. see the girl Gelflings are are air based, and so that's why they have wings. And yeah, and then the boy Gelflings are moon based because they're creepy looking. <laughs> and they hang out with the Mystics, who have four arms and uh, are big, slow, rad looking dinosaur people. There you go. They they hang out with the Saurians. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, the evil Birdman. <laughs> Meanwhile, Birdman. <laughs> Birdman is uh Crest on Birdman's helmet. <laughs> what are we doing? I don't even know what's going on anymore. We're We've just, gone right off of the we're rails. Just describing the movie Dark Crystal. <laughs> so the the uh the Arcanum that Akhenaten came up with 
were all of the major tarot arcana. Mm-hmm. And so this is sort of the societies for Nephilim, what you get broken into, depending on what your personal philosophy of life is. Yes, and those have kind of ossified over the millennia between ancient, pre-ancient Egypt and now into clubs that have oh, yeah. like members and rules. And, and Certain ones will be like, oh, they, they were more dominant during this period, or other ones were. But you'll get things like, oh, uh, the emperor is all about Nephilim who are like, we should be leaders and we should be in charge of people and ruling things. But then you have like the magician and that's all the Nephilim who are like, we should just be focused on sorcery. I think one of the things you can tell when you're reading through this is that they really wanted these arcana to be based on the tarot, but that then they realized that there are like 24 tarot cards. And they're like, man, we, how do we just keep Like when you look at, oh, what's the difference between like the emperor and the king? Fucking, I don't know, whatever. Yeah, it doesn't, half, I'd say about half of them are completely extraneous and never get mentioned. Now, yeah, most of them, because you get things like you get emperor, Judgment, yeah. Emperor, Tower, Empress, and... The Magician gets a fair amount during magician, the old stuff. Fool gets referenced consistently because it's a weird one. Yeah, but which it, the Fool was not one of the original ones no, from Akhenaten. But you never... Moon, for example, is is Nephilim that choose to hang out as animals instead of... They incarnate in animals instead of humans. And it basically tells you, don't play these. You you can't play these because you'd be a cow. There are three... Of the arcana that it says, look, just don't pick this. One is the moon because they're like, dude, don't don't play as like some dog or something. Yeah. Uh, one of them is the fool, and the fool is the zeroth arcana. The zeroth, because because just making it the twenty fifth would have been confusing. Yeah, but it's it's the zero arcana because it is the arcana that wasn't there, and then now it it. It's essentially just, it's Jesus, fucking it's, whatever. It's, it's Jesus. Jesus was the fool. There's only ever been the one fool arcana guy. No, that's not true. There's still fool guys wandering around, but they're not, he's the first fool in this storyline. And the whole thing with the fool is they're trying to lead Nephilim into a new way of being. Yeah, and, and fools today are wandering around trying to find out who the next Jesus is. Yeah, they're that's, all just like, I want to figure out who our next Messiah is. Yeah, so that's... That's the fool. And then the last one, which is the one that I actually have written down as one of the things I wanted to talk about. Fire away. Is the hanged man. Okay. The hanged man is the arcana where it says, as a Nephilim, uh, normally you, when you possess your human host, uh, you get all of their like memories and their skills. You can access all of that. Mm-hmm. But you are in charge and they are just sort of a sleeping uh, spirit in there and they don't realize what's going on. Yeah. The Hanged Man is a group of people who say we should try and be the people that we possessed. Like, try to really uh, become these people and live in these lives and be human instead of weird, like, possessing spirits. Mm -hmm. And it 100% says, no, you cannot be the Hanged Man. That's weird. Why would you ever want to do that? I looked at it and go, that sort of sounds like what you'd... Like, center a game around, though, is like... People who don't know that they're immortal. Well, or no, just Nephilim who are like, what are you doing? Oh, I'm trying to, like, get to work and do some things without having the fact that, like, my soul is made out of fire get in the way. Yeah. Like, that sounds interesting, but it was like, nope, can't do it. Can't play that. Which is weird, because it's like trying to stop you from a game experience while not really providing a different one. Yeah, the main issue that, I mean, we'll just get this right out of the way, there is... There's just no hook in this. No. You're reading it, and it's like, Nephilim are these weird, 
magic spirits that possess humans and are trying to reach enlightenment. You're like, okay, but what do I do in the game? I don't know. Fucking reach enlightenment? Trying I don't to reach enlightenment. Fuck. Didn't we just tell you? There's something about the mid, the early to mid-90s in game design where, where designers seemed to get it in their head that it was okay to put out a game where it was just character creation and you were done. Like, here's how you make the weird half-bird people we've decided this game is about. Oh, yeah. It's oh. someone who's like, I had this idea for a world, an entire world, and I guess you could make a character in it if you want. I don't care, though. I just world-built and don't, was done. Don't break my world. In the, mean, in the meantime, though, here here's rules for playing in it. I, I, but not playing in it, just how to make a guy. Well, what does the guy do in this world? The, the choice is yours. The options are limitless. The Peter end. Molyneux, out! That's, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking when I was reading through this, is, is what's the straight line between this game and Black and White by Peter Molyneux? <laughs> what, what, what's the line? Uh, how long between this and Fable? Man... At least that had a storyline you could go through. Yeah. This is like, oh, you're trying to do whatever, okay. I guess I try and reach a Gartha. So what does that entail? Oh, mostly just getting XP. Okay, but what am I doing? I don't know. So people are probably, you know, we're at the 22-minute mark, or twenty somewhere in there. People are probably really wondering, how do you make a character in this game? Because we haven't talked about that in the slightest. And Lord knows it'll probably take the entire rest of the episode. So God. So here we go. How do you make a character? Uh, you have to pick a variety of things. First, let's pick your Arcanum. Well, not really, because first you're going to want to pick your element, because that's okay, what yeah, you so are. Your very first thing is your element. So you're going to pick your element. There are five. Yeah, you're and going to have a little pentagram of elements. Mm -hmm. So each point is going to have the two that are next to it, and then the two that are farthest away from it. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be... Uh, sort of the spread for what your elements are. Right. So in, in, like, magic, you've got that, you know, the two that are friendly and then the two that are opposed. Mm -hmm. So same thing in this. If you're, like, fire, then your friendly ones are earth and air, I believe, and then water and moon are opposed. Yes. But among those, you then also decide, okay, so I'm mainly a fire guy. Awesome. Okay, I'm a fire Nephilim. And then of Earth and Air, I have to decide which one of those two is dominant and which is submissive. And then the same thing for the uh, the lower end ones. You figure out which one of those is higher and which one is your least. And then you have points of caw in those. Yes. And then depending on whatever your major is, you just have a percentage of that going down. Correct. So like each one is just an additional 20% down. So your main one has whatever your point total is, like if it's 20 or whatever. Then it has 20. Then you go down and you go, okay, well now I've got 80% of it for my secondary and then 60 and 40 and 20. Yes. Now your step two, the second thing you do, is you pick your metamorphosis and your major arcanum. Yeah, so your metamorphosis is... What mythological what creature... What thing you turn into, essentially. Yeah, what, what thing are you slowly turning into? And so each... Element has also divided into either, like, body or mind. Mm -hmm. Now, there's nothing stopping you from creating new metamorphosis. There's actually rules in the book for doing so. Uh, but the but give you the examples of what they are. If you're an Earth-Ka-aspected uh, Nephilim, then your body aspect choice is the, uh, the satyr, and your mind aspect choice is the elf. Yeah, and, and for, for fire, you've got the jinn for... 
uh, your body, and then the phoenix for your mind. Yeah, water is triton for body and undyne for mind or something. I, th- might, I don't think it's undyne, is it? Uh, might be, might be. Nirad, nirad or what? Might be a sylph. Sylph could be, a, sylph could also be air, I don't remember. I don't, I don't know anything. Moon is just snake, you don't get choices, it, it's yeah, just you snake. Yeah, you don't get to pick. If you were part of the moon, you're just a snake man. Yeah, you're a, you're a yuan <laughs> Yeah, that's it. <laughs> or a naga, or any of the other many terms for snake person that there are. Uh, so... Basically, those are your Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle form that you will eventually become, because as you get more powerful, you get more points in your metamorphosis. When you are 100% in your metamorphosis, you are 100% an elf or whatever. Yeah, so uh, each one ranges from 1 to 20 there are on five the metamorphosis. Aspects. Yeah, there And each one, the higher up it is, the harder it is to conceal that from people. Yes, and those five aspects are hands, face... Voice, odor, and I want to say body. Is it hair? Uh, I think it's body. Okay, but it's it's stuff like oh okay. Uh, if I'm a snake dude and I'm from I'm one of one of the moon nephilim, mm-hmm. then if I start getting face stuff, then I might start getting a little Voldemort in the face. Yeah, you start getting a little bit of that fangy, and eventually you go all Cobra Commander. Yeah, you. Then, after a while, you were once a man. I was once a man! <laughs> you, you were required to say. <laughs> you have to say. On the regular, yeah. And so, with each step, you get a little more elfy, you're a little more satyry. Uh, most, like, when you look at the NPCs, the NPCs kind of cheat in this book, and they almost all go heavy into voice. No, it's all, like, it's voice odor. or odor. Voice, Because no, odor's just like, it smells like ozone near you. You're or, an air Nephilim, and so it smells like ozone. You're like, great. Yeah, somewhere near you is the scent of fire. All right, All fine. right, well, I don't care if I can have and, that. If anyone's like, man, that, I smell a lot of smoke. You're like, oh, I work at a place that does barbecue. Anyway, bye. I also smell the smoke. What do you know? <laughs> uh, who knew? You are not alone in smelling smoke. Yeah, so, but anyway... That's your metamorphosis, is is uh, you become more like an elf or more like a satyr. Uh, as you do that, the, you become a little more inhuman and, and you become visible to people. Now, there is a thing called Ka-Vision. <laughs> there sure is. And uh, the Nephilim just sort of have it. They can roll to see if they can use their Ka-Vision. And it lets you see all of the like energy and hidden things in the world. It's it's just wizard vision. Yes. Uh, humans very ain't got few it. humans can learn to do it, but they can if they either get taught or some just random into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a lot of the things, like even if I say have, like I'm a uh, phoenix mm-hmm. and I've got a bunch of face metamorphosis and I've got like flaming hair. Uh, until you hit like 16 or above, generally speaking, humans just don't notice. Like they don't realize anything's wrong. Yeah. Uh, because it's all sort of hidden behind a weird magical veil. But as soon as you get to 16 or above in any of those, it's just, you can't hide it anymore. It People will notice. People see that you've got hair on fire, and they're like, ah, fire hair. And they're like, oh, what's that? Uh, my hand is just made out of, like, water and has claws? Huh, okay. Yeah. So uh, so that's your that's your metamorphosis. Uh, you also, at that at, during step two, choose your major arcanum, which is what club you're a member of. Do you think that, pe- that uh, Nephilim should achieve Agartha by controlling governments and humans? Then you probably should join the Emperor Arcanum. Do you think you should control magic behind the scenes? Maybe consider the Empress Arcanum. Do you think you should be a dog? Consider the Moon Arcanum. Do you, do you think you should be just fun and have a good time? Stop playing Nephilim. <laughs> 
order a pizza. <laughs> Get together with some friends. Play a board game or something. I don't know. Not a role-playing game. I've come to hate them now. <laughs> I hate everything that they stand for. I don't like the people who play them. I don't like podcasts about them. In fact, we're done. Good night. All right. So uh, after you choose your your dominance... Oh, man, I lost my thing. Yeah, your thing. Uh, once you get your, uh, your Arcanum and your shenanigans, you're going to figure out how many past lives you want to have. Oh, God, because yeah. Because the, the Nephilim have this thing called a stasis. It is an item that is pretty much just a phylactery for the Nephilim. Uh-huh. Uh, whenever you die or your simulacrum dies... If your stasis doesn't have enough energy in it, then it just sucks you back in. It was originally created to sort of be a prison for the Nephilim, but it's also ended up being pretty much a thing that stops them from ever, like, discorporating. Because normally, if your simulacrum died and you couldn't find anyone else, then you just sort of... Fade, fade. back into the magic. Yeah, you just be like, all right, I just dissolve back into magic streams yeah you go back to your component elements stacy's make it so that you don't have to do this instead you can go back into your jewel to scarab yeah because your... whenever you you can only make one ever yeah and when whatever period in time it was that it was made for you will usually reflect that so if you were like oh yeah i was i had my stasis made for me way back in ancient egypt and it looks like a weird like scepter or whatever like okay great Yes. But if you were made, your stasis was made in, like, London in 1920, then it's probably not going to be a weird scarab. Right. So, to choose your past lives, your character gets a starting pool of Ka, which is both XP and energy and sort of just the general measure of how powerful your character is. It's one of the major elements of determining whether or not you can get enlightened. No one with less than 90 Ka could ever possibly get enlightenment. No. So, you start with 22 Ka. And each time you purchase a past life in the game, it costs you two of your permanent Ka. You can have as many as ten past lives. But you have to have at least one. You have to have at least one. So a minimum of one, a maximum of ten past lives. Uh, so you can start the game with two Ka if you want. It makes it very easy to permanently kill you. Oh, yeah. If, <laughs> if you really want to, you'd be like, man, I just kept reincarnating over and over and over again. I know you'll have a ton of skills. Because each past life comes with uh, a bunch of skill points. You get uh, packages based on whatever era it was. Yeah, you get magic. Uh, you, or whoever you possessed. So yeah. if you're like, all right, back in the day, I possessed a farmer. I've got a bunch of farming skills. But then I possessed, like, a priest. So now I've got some more priest skills, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. You get them uh, nunchuck skills. And I think you get a total of, this is uh, percentile based for mm -hmm. your rolling. So you get... I think every past life gives you, like, 50% worth of uh, skill points to put around into various things. Yes. And it's all a very convoluted process by which you have to roll a bunch of things into, at, at different times. So, for example, uh, the first thing you do is you roll 3d6 times 5. Uh, that's how old the simulacra that you possessed during that time period is. Yep. Then you roll 3d6 times 5. That's how long you lived in the simulacra before dying. Then you roll randomly to determine uh, what sort of social status the simulacra had at the time. There are 11 time periods. You can only be in each one up to once. Uh, three of the 11 are in ancient Egypt. Yeah, this they were just real into that. Ancient Egypt is just the biggest deal. And then it's it's not like it gets better from there because it just goes 
to Sumeria and then back to semi-ancient Egypt. It's it, it never ends. It's just, oh man, at this time you could have been a dirt farmer or an Egyptian priest or an empress. Just forever. Uh, yeah. Uh, you could have been a pharaoh. You could have been a contender. <laughs> God. So you get some skills. You roll 3d6 times 5 again. That's the potential magic that this character may have learned during their life and times. Ah, uh, the life and times of this character. You also get to roll, uh, man, you roll to determine what killed you, and if this is your first incarnation, what's your phylactery stasis thing is. Yeah, and if you, I mean, what you'll probably want to do is be incarnated during the Akhenaten period, because he's the one who came up with all the Ar- arcana. Mm-hmm. So if you select, oh yeah, during that time period I was on his side, then you just get an extra 10% to your uh, that arcana skill. Yes. So if you're like, oh, I was in the tower arcana. Great. Okay, if you were incarnated during Akhenaten, you're just going to get an extra 10% to your tower skill. So you want to start there. You want to at least have that generally. Then mostly you just want to skip ahead to where the good magic skills were invented so you can start getting those. Yeah, you're like, okay, now I'm going to skip ahead to, like, France in the 1500s or something so I can get alchemy. Yeah, because alchemy is the good one. Uh, So, basically, you pick up a bunch of different weird skills and so on in each time period that you were alive. Uh, Your your current character reserves all of these memories and skills. So, basically, a completed Nephilim character will have a stat block for every past life they had. uh, And then also a stat block for the human body that they are currently possessing. And then also a stat block for the arcanum, or sorry, for the spirit that you are. Like so, there's you have stats as a nephilim, you have stats as a simulacrum, you have stats as various past lives. Uh, now, the, I mean, the past lives don't really have stats so much as what are the percentages I get from this. Well, yeah, they, they you have to write down the things that they provided you with. They provided you with a block of skills. They provided you, and you for some reason need to write down what age you died at and who killed you. And, and, well, and you those, know, it's just things that you know. Those roles affect each other too, which is really interesting. It's like, uh, oh, did your character is your character an empress? Take a minus twenty on the what will kill you roll. Oh yeah, it's, uh, did you support this revolution? Then take a plus twenty five on this roll. And on a one hundred through one hundred and twenty five on this percentile roll, you were killed by Rosicrucians. <laughs> yep. The, uh, I mean, the fact that you get killed by that. I mean, at least that can give you some hooks of like, oh, my character was killed by the Black Star Society, and so now, like, when I reincarnate now, I'm just pissed off at them still. It does mention that normally when a Nephilim is killed by some black secret society, their next life is entirely bent on revenge. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, did someone from, like, the Templars come up and just absolutely wreck your shit when you were incarnated in some other life? Okay, well, you wake up, and to you, it has been nothing. So you wake up again, and you're like, Oh, those sons of bitches. Now, it may have been like a thousand years since then, but for you, you're still sore about it. So anyway, your character sheet is enormous. Oh, yeah. Well, the thing is, you've got your stats really for a Nephilim, just the spirit, is your cause. So your your fire, earth, air, and moon. And also what spells are inscribed on your spirit. Well, that's just what spells you can cast. That's not really stats. Uh, fair enough. I'm but, just saying that's what's going to be on that part of your character sheet. Yeah, but I'm saying stat-wise, you've got that, uh-huh. and they compare to your simulacra as the D&D stats with everything but wisdom. So you've so, got strength, dex, con, 
Int and Charisma, you just lose Wisdom and all of those map onto one of the Kaw. Yeah, and for all of those, you roll for what your Simulacra has when you start in the game, and they're all 3d6s except for Intelligence, which is 2d6 plus 6. Yeah, because you can't be super dumb. Yeah, and uh, your Kaw will actually add points to them as well, making your character basically a superhuman. Oh yeah, because the higher your Kaw is, the more your crazy spirit infuses the uh, body of whatever you're in. Yeah, so the soul, your dominant Kaw will give you bonus stats that you push into each one of your simulacrum Well, stats. just each stat that it represents. Yes. So, like, your Earth will give you extra con, and whatever your fire stat gives you extra strength, and so on. So, at that point, you just get to go, alright, here's what my stats are, and then I shove my body into there, and then I get these points into that, and everything's great. Yeah. Like, for example, hit points are determined by taking whatever your constitution is, uh, unmodified, your simulacra's unmodified constitution score of 3d6 down the line, uh, and then you add your earth caught to it, and that's how many hit points you have. Yeah. Your earth caught, I'm sorry, your earth caught bonus, not your actual earth caught total. Yes. Um, so that gives you your hit points. You can also determine things like your chahue. Chahue. Chahue is the amount of magic points you have. It's the Egyptian word for breath, <laughs> and it's equivalent to your intelligence or your sub- ka, I don't know, whatever, it's something. Yeah. Um, so you you get a whole bunch of weird little derived things. Uh, there's then a lot of like spots on your character sheet when you're looking at it. That you're like, man, what what even the fuck is this? Like, what is that? Kaiba? Ka- Seto Kaiba? Is this is this Yu-Gi-Oh? Is what am sh- I looking at? Does this just say Shuit? Shuit? Is that my ability to summon pigs? <laughs> Shuit. But you know the answers of those are Kaiba is the chance of any time you doing any time you do anything you might go fucking crazy. Yeah, it's did you critically fail while doing anything related to your car? You kind of go nuts. And then Shuit is is there a chance that you might just forget that you're a Nephilim and be a human for a while? Yeah, sure, that's your Shuit. Yeah, the Shuit or the Shadow is when your uh, human that you are possessing then becomes dominant. You become subsumed into it and and the, the safe hum- word is banana <laughs> well the human has no recollection of anything you've done which means man that is <sighs> you know i'm gonna say this now this is a game where the nephilim really are the bad guys oh yeah 100 percent. and i don't understand how there isn't just like there has to be a supplement for this where you play as one of the uh secret societies because nephilim are crazy alien possessing spirits that take over someone's body without their permission uh try and get strange esoteric goals they don't care about anyone else or what might happen to them when they hurt them and in fact when you get through the book you realize a lot of nephilim are just straight up evil in their pursuit of this goal oh yeah no one cares the npcs certainly don't no everyone's like oh we need to make you stop doing this evil thing oh because it's evil oh no because you might draw the attention of some society to us that's all we don't really care because humans are cattle well we are though I mean, yeah, well, I mean, that is true. Yeah. If there's one thing I've learned from Blade. <laughs> and I've learned a lot from Blade. <laughs> Boy, howdy, have I learned a lot from Blade. <laughs> I mean, I've learned about the propensity of certain motherfuckers to ice skate uphill. <laughs> which is apparently some of them are always trying to. Always. Yeah. Just <laughs> Well, you know, it's like that great Lincoln quote. Some motherfuckers will skate uphill all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but, a, but a motherfucker skating, ice skating uphill divided against himself. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So yeah, no, in in basically any other game, what the Nephilim are 
would be your villains. Oh, yes. One, all, all the way. Like, they if you were playing guys. Hunter, this would definitely be some shit you were trying to stop. Yeah. I mean, uh, it doesn't really say what a Garth... Because uh, a Garth is kind of like personal enlightenment. Like, they mentioned that, that when Jesus the Nephilim showed up, his whole thing was, I'm going to lead everyone to paradise. Yeah, he's like, I want everyone to get to a Gartha. Like, hey, humans, you have, like, fucking Ka. Do it. Yeah. You get to a Gartha. And you get to a Gartha. And you get to a Gartha. But... But uh, the rest of these Nephilim seem to be all, it's a very personal experience. And it's not like it's mythical or impossible. There are Nephilim on Earth, lots of them, who have gotten to Agartha. Yeah, most of the leadership of the various major arcana are Agartha Nephilim. They're like, oh yeah, we're Nephilim who got to the point where we were super powerful. And, it, you know, when you're first reading this, you it almost sounds like Agartha is like their version of heaven. Mm -hmm. But it's almost it's like, more Nirvana. like Nirvana. Yeah, yeah. But even then, they're like, oh, great, I reached this level of enlightenment. What do you do? Oh, I still run my petty, singular notion squad of dudes. Great. You reached enlightenment, and what enlightenment was is, oh, I was right the whole time, and I'm still going to do that? Yeah, all things are connected. I understand everything in perfect universal clarity, but I still want to run my small multinational corporation. Yeah, it's real weird. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like it gets anywhere, but so... You, you were not even done with character creation yet, because as you as you go through the the ages and and have all your various incarnations, you can choose to spend points on. Well, actually, the points can't be used for anything else. Uh, sorcery, sorcery or magic, basically. There are three types of magic. Each one of them is arranged into three circles of increasing uh, difficulty and power. Uh, there is sorcery, which is your standard wizard magic. You cast spells. Uh, all magic requires some kind of focus, mm -hmm. so usually it's a scroll or a tablet or something that you have to cast from, uh, unless, as mentioned before, you inscribe it on your, your like, very, very soul. soul, and then you can just cast it whenever. Yeah. But normally you have to do that, and so the sorcery is just like, oh, what is this? I cast a spell and it does a thing, usually very, like, elemental-based, and be like, oh, I cast a thing and it makes... A little globe of light, or I make a, I make my hands go on fire, so when I punch you, it hurts more. Yeah, or you know, uh, I make it so it's hard to understand people nearby. Yeah, you uh, can little you, little things. You just do whatever based on the element, and yeah. most of the, uh, like certain powers will have the version of it for every element. So it's yeah, like, that, that showed up a lot. It was kind of annoying to read through those when it, it save oh, yeah. some ta some page space, especially when it gets to things like uh, well, it's like douse yeah. the. Uh, version of whatever a nexus is yeah so it's like oh you can find the nearest earth nexus so you know where the nearest version of earth power is yeah there's All five right, spells like that we now have to have the exact same paragraph with a like place refined for whatever element with a different one yeah the armors are the funny one to me where there's like five types of because when we get to summons one of the things you can summon is creatures that take the form of armor and there are five of them, don't you know? And each one of them is a different element. And each one appears as a fine male shirt of that element. Thing is, there's also an armor one of sorcery. And it's just, you grab whatever that element is from nearby and shove it onto yourself. Yeah. But then when the spell ends, it's like, oh, did you do earth? Great, you're covered in, like, sod and dirt if you're out in, like, a field somewhere. Mm -hmm. But then when the spell ends, you're it just falls off of you. But you're still super dirty because you've been covered in dirt. <laughs> or the same thing with water. It's like, oh yeah, you were in an office building and the water cooler explodes and you get covered in water armor. But then when the spell ends, you're just moist. <laughs> like, great. Thanks, wizard. I'm glad that worked. It's one of those games where it's afraid of the players getting any kind of reasonable power. Well, the 
the weird thing to me is it is super focused on magic. Like you have to get to the third circle in magic and basically be a master of it before you can reach Agartha. Well, there, there isn't anything but magic. It's not like you can... But magic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but magic. No, okay. I'm sorry. That wasn't even a joke. That was that was just some words. <laughs> but love. <laughs> but uh, there's nothing but magic. You can't get better at being an elf. Like you can't you can't learn elf abilities. There's there's no abilities. The skills are just things like can you drive. So there's there's no oh, yeah, to it's advance all like, in power but sorceries. Yeah, you everything else the skills are like oh what do you have? Uh, I've got a skill in knowledge of where I used to live. Yeah, I have life experience, ancient Thebes. That ought to be useful. So uh, the there are you do have to get as well a like ninety percent in certain one of the certain skills. Mm-hmm. So it's all like. Uh, Mostly astrological lore or like hermetic lore, cabalistic lore, whatever oh, it is. Kabbalah, by the way, is one of the things I wanted to talk about in this book. Oh, yeah, because after sorcery, which is just regular wizard magic, mm-hmm. you cast spells, we get to summoning. Yeah, and summoning is hot garbage. <laughs> hot it's, garbage. It's, it's, <laughs> yep. It's, it's everything that you have ever hated about summoning in any other game writ large. And it is... <laughs> Based on Kabbalah, so well, sort of. It's, it's well, it's named after Kabbalah. No, it's it's based on it in game. In yeah. game, Kabbalah was like, oh, this is instead of figuring out like the name of God, it's just figuring out the names of spirits, and you need that name in order to summon them. Yeah. So, but you whereas know how- like sorcery is very much a like mystic tradition and is sort of uh, almost like a weird spiritual thing. Uh, summoning the people who do that treat it as a religion, basically. Yes. Yeah, uh, and and you know how you often avoid summoning in games because of the uh, book is written with that conspiratorial DM against you scenario where it's like make sure that the players or the the summoned monster twists the player's words and does the opposite of what he wants. Oh yeah, all the time where it's like you get a genie and then you tell him a wish and he fucks your shit up. Yeah, this is it's codified in this book instead of just being sort of hinted at. Oh, there, the- are, there are five ways that summons can go wrong. Uh, one of them is that the summon leaves. Another one is that the summon gets stuck in the circle that you summoned him in. A third one is that the summon attempts to take you over, and if he does, he forces you into his service for 1d10 years. Because if there's a place you need randomness, it's years. Yep. This book has a Palladiumus-esque tendency to uh, do random d4 numbers and so on in the middle of things. It'll yeah. be like... Uh, Oh, it, your character is, is going to go to junior college. Well, it'll take him 1d4 seasons in order to determine a major. <laughs> like, what? what who, why? who cares? What, did you... Are you ever going to think about that d4 number again? Yeah, the... So the thing with summoning is... The... Uh, you summon up a creature, and you have to roll, and there's several rolls you have to make. So you have to be able to roll under your skill in it, and then you also have to roll a resistance roll against their... Oh, I forgot about the resistance table. Yeah, yeah. talk about that little guy. So there's, uh, like, you'll have whatever your dominant caw is, and they'll have their caw, and you have to roll a, like, a struggle to try and beat them on a resistance table, which the resistance table in this is... <sighs> it's basically the D20 it's... table from 3rd edition D&D, uh, written out as a big table. As it's it's basically to... Thacko, but... Everything translates into percentages. Yes. So it's just a bunch of 5% increments. It's like, oh, 
does is your thing a 16 and theirs is a 15 as a resistance well now you have to roll a 55 okay all right so if it's a 16 i have to roll a 60 right that's this isn't all that complicated. If the two numbers are the same, I have a 50% chance of success. And for each point, I am higher or lower than the number I am rolling against. The number goes up or down by 5%. And then if you hit certain things, you just can't lose or fail or Got succeed. Got it. I am up to speed. I am 100% up to speed. This is a 5% increment multiplication table. Great. Okay, good. Well, the only thing that makes that relevant is that really that the idea of that, uh, of the, the D20 system came out in, like, 3rd edition D&D. It was, like, 2000. This is from 1994. So this predates it a little bit. It just makes it clunky. Yeah, and the weird thing is, when it gives you that table, it also just randomly says, like, oh, just assign potency to things. Oh, yeah, potential. Everything has a potential. There's a potential that there might be evidence in a town. Yeah, maybe you're trying to look for a book. (laughs) What's the potential of finding that? An 11? All right, roll a resistance against your intelligence to get it. You're like, okay... My favorite thing is that it comes in two models. One of them is use that 11 potential as a, as a resistance roll against your intelligence. The other is the chance of finding stuff somewhere. Uh, take that number, multiply it by three, and then roll under that on percentile dice. If you do, it's in town. Great. So why why am I giving it a potential instead of just a percentage and, ah, fuck it, I don't care. I- exactly. Why bother having the uh, potential be divided by three in the first place if you're just going to multiply it by three every single time you use it forever? Yeah. I, I don't know. It's just old game design. It- it's fine. Anyway, so summoning. Summoning. You have, to- you have to get around your skill and then roll for the resistance of whatever the thing you're summoning is. And if you manage to do both of those, then you can, for certain things, press it into your service. So for like the first circle of summoning... Uh, most of it's just little elementals that you can be like, oh, I, I got a guy and it's, I can send him out to do a thing. And mostly it's very specific tasks for the first, uh, like circle of it. It's like, oh, here's a spirit and it loves to, this like, one likes to pinch butts. Yeah. It, it, this is the trickster one and it goes around and it like trips people and makes mischief happen. You're like, oh, why would, why the fuck did I summon this thing? Well, maybe okay, you need great. to like cause chaos in an area. Like while you do something else, you know, like. Oh, I need to sneak into a into a server room, and there's all these people in the office. And you're like, all right, well, I'll just send in the butt pinch spirit, and it'll go in there and pinch butts, and pretty soon everyone will be fighting or fucking, and I can just walk right past them and get in my room. Uh, and then, you know, some of them are more, I mean, like we were saying before, like the ones that are just armor. Like, oh, what's this? I summoned a guy, and he just sits on my shoulder, and... He helps me fight things, or I've got one that, like, makes me fly or whatever. There's one for each one of the magic groups that applies to the dominant stat of that that element. So, like, there's a fire one that makes you stronger, and a water one that makes you more dexterous, and a moon one that makes you more charismatic. Yeah. Uh, There's also ones that give you bonuses to various blocks of skills. Like, there's ones that are just eye stalks on feet, and they stand on your shoulders and help you see things. Yep. There's even one that just makes you better at summoning. There's five little spirits oh, yeah. that come out and help you do the spell for the next summon spell you do. The thing with summoned creatures is they're invisible to humans, basically, unless they say otherwise, and are invincible unless you have some sort of magic weapon. Yes. Uh, so, there are two, like John was saying, there are two rolls you have to do to get these guys to show up. You have to uh, roll under the, the, uh, your the, skill. T- the skill, and then also your, you have to do a dominant caw threshold roll or something. Oh, I'm sorry. It's a contract resistance roll. Yeah. In this case, what you have to do is they have a resistance, which is, I forget what it's called. 
No, it's, it was like I said. You just roll your call versus their call, yeah. and that's the resistance. And that's the contract. Uh, if you beat them on the contract, then things work. If you don't beat them on the contract, one of five different things could happen. Uh, they can leave. They can get stuck. They can try to take you over. They can get befuddlement, which is where all they do is fuck with you. <laughs> yeah, there's ones where they're like, it seems like you have a contract, but then they don't know how to actually do whatever you're doing, well, they don't, and they'll they fuck it up. They try to do the opposite. They no, mean, it says they can do the opposite, but yeah. other times they'll just fuck it up in yeah. some way. And then there's uh, possession, where they try to take over your body. Yeah, the... And the thing is... Well, there's the, all... Oh, no, you already said possession. It's capture is the last one, where they just take you. Yeah, captures the, Yeah, you're right. Capture is the one where they press you into service. Uh, possession is horrifying because by the time things start showing up that have possession as their their failure on the uh, beat the, on the contract roll, they're like, "I am the god of the West Gate," uh, and their capture chance or their possession chance is automatic one hundred percent. The man summoning even at the first circle, you're like, "Okay, most of the stuff if I fail." is just going to either like break free at worst and be a dick and most of the time just sort of disappear again. Okay, yeah. that's fine. As soon as you get to the second circle and above and you start summoning things like the angel Gabriel. Yeah. And, you know, most of them are, again, based on whatever element you're doing. Mm-hmm. But then they're also like, oh, what do you have? Uh, I, I'm specifically the spirit that deals with like mental health and I can tell you how to cure people, and I can just touch someone who's crazy and make them better. Yeah. Shit like that. But then their thing is like, oh, what happens if you fucked up on, like, summoning the angel Gabriel? Oh, he captures you and takes you into his weird realm that he lives in, and you stay there for 20 years? Okay. So then my character is done? Yes. You fucked up a spell and are done. And that's common. Basically, summoning, you have to stick to that first level of power, because the moment you dabble up any higher, just about every spirit you summon is a vindictive dickhole who will kill you immediately, even if you want the same thing they do. Yeah, there are a few high-level things, well, second-tier things that you can summon that are like, oh yeah, they're, they're fairly powerful, but their thing when you fail is mostly they're just, they'll chide you or leave or whatever, Mm -hmm. but almost all of them are, they will fuck with you in some way. Yeah. There's even a little sidebar right after Gabriel that's like, how to use these angel guys. Like, you can summon these five cool angels. Make sure you play these like individuals, because they are. They're they're like really unique people that have their own lives and personalities. They don't really like being summoned. Uh, Make sure that they aren't just pushovers to the players, that they really push back. And like, but the second circle sorcery spells don't push back. This is... No, it's... It's weird because when you actually get to the opening uh, little text for summoning, it's like, oh, yeah, most people will do summoning because there's way more powerful available here no. than in sorcery. Oh, yeah, you'd you'd be a fool to not be su- doing summoning. And I'm like, are you kidding me? This is the trap. It's also the one that's got the most evil shit in it. Oh, yeah. There's Once you get to the third circle and you're like, oh, I've got to, I'm literally summoning gods at this point. Yeah. You're like, oh, I want to summon, like, the god of fire. Like, yeah, this is the dragon of the first gate. What do I need to do? Well, first, sacrifice 17 children. Yeah. Uh, what? That's not an exaggeration. You have to sacrifice 17 children. Then he's going to take those children and turn them into zombies that he uses. Yeah, he reanimates them as evil zombies who uh, do whatever he does and have all the powers he does. Yeah, he sends them out to be his, like, eyes and ears and hands in the world. Yeah, and you have to learn to cast the spell and cast it regularly until such time as you have earned enough Ka, because this game's XP system is a progressive 
Final Fantasy 2, every time you use a skill, you have a chance to get a point of cough for using well, that skill. It's the Sky Realms of Joe Rune. Every time you use yeah. something, you can possibly go up in it. Yep. So, uh, so yeah, that's you have to constantly be trying to summon this guy. There's only a few dudes. In fact, there's only three uh, third-level sum- summoning spells in this, which means if you're trying to progress to a Gartha through summoning, you're summoning the same poor water guy over and over again like hey undying lord of all water creatures i'm just trying to get my skill up man please don't <laughs> please, please don't take over my soul or whatever now the main problem with this is at the third circle there is no contract role you literally cannot compel them to do anything no you just have to bargain with them yeah and if you should if they show up and you're like hey man uh i wanted you to do this thing and they go that sucks. They can just fuck your shit up and leave. Yeah, they don't. They have no reason to uh, to be compelled to do whatever you say at all. But it's like I'm saying, it's weird because you're forced to do this over and over again if you want to progress in this as a sorcerer. Oh yeah. It's, so even if you summon like whatever the uh, the Griffin, the nice the, one, the Griffin who's Ga- like Gazur. Yeah, I'm like, oh, I'm I'm the weird Griffin spirit that's the least terrible of these. My punishment is mostly just erasing part of your memory if yeah, I don't like you. It steals one of your memories. But with that, even then, you're like, okay, I summoned it once, and it sort of went okay. All right, cool. I didn't die to this weird god. Now if I want to c- continue to progress, I've got to keep summoning that shit. And a, like by the third or fourth time I summon a god, they're going to go, you know what? No, you're done. Stop this. Please stop summoning me. If you summon me again, I will destroy you. Well, can I just have the necessary Ka to get past this part of my stupid... No, in fact, using the god costs you points of Ka. Yes. Yeah, oh, it's the... So, that's summoning. Uh, the third one is alchemy. The third circle of alchemy hasn't even been discovered yet. It's too recent of magic. It doesn't exist. You as a player might. I'm sure there might be a source alchemy book. source book yeah. for Nephilim. So, alchemy works by you can make a certain amount of powder every day for Yeah, each... so that is your... Your Athenor is your uh, basically magic oven you get a magic easy bake oven Mm -hmm. and it condenses whatever the dominant uh energy is Mm -hmm. because all the energies are associated with a day as well Mm -hmm. so it's like what is it oh it's wednesday that means it's water day so you can have some water powder and you just go in there and in the morning you open up your stove and there's a little pinch of water powder and you can put it in your water powder jar and when you cast spells it takes a pinch of whatever that powder is. Yes, and otherwise it's very similar to sorcery. It just does, it has the same sort of effects on the world that sorcery does. Let me just say, I had written this down <clears throat> as well. There is a spell in alchemy, and one of them is you remove the air from certain places. Mm-hmm. So you just take your air thing and you cast it, and you're like, oh, anyone who's in whatever little bubbles you make, there is no air, and they begin to asphyxiate. And then the next line is, of course they can move out of that area. <laughs> I went... Oh, man, that's amazing. Like, what did you do? I made it so you couldn't breathe in this, like, five-by-five area. All right, I I walk five feet away. My magic, damn, foiled again. Also, there's one in there where you can can create a, uh, I forget, it's an earth spell, and it says you can take any amount of air, water, or plasma and, and harden it into a malleable earth format. Yeah. And then, and it says you can do as much of this as a bottle. Yeah, you can get a bottle of it. Like, it doesn't even say, it says like a, like a thousand milliliter bottle or something. So you really can't do all that much. No. Um, but hey, you, you get solid air. But it doesn't really say how that works. You know, you know what a plasma is? A plasma is a superheated gas. Yeah. It's So can I make a malleable superheated gas? Sure. Why not? Uh, I, I, Magic. I, but that, can I hold it? What's going on? Is it still burning me? It doesn't say. No one knows. It, d- don't worry about it. <laughs> 
The uh, so yeah, of these, like alchemy is very good and probably more powerful than sorcery. Yeah, uh, but you, you there is no third circle. Yeah, summoning is just a one hundred percent ridiculous trap. It's a trap. Yeah, and so. As a player, I'm looking at it going like, all right, so just sorcery then. Because everything else is just nonsense. It's just ridiculous nonsense. Right. So that's basically it. Once you've picked out your sorcery spells, you're done making a character, and now you progress into the wide world of... Uh, whatever's going on here they do actually provide adventure hooks at the back I was really hoping that they would provide just an adventure so I could see what the designer's idea of how to play this is no they give you some ideas of what's going on but man there is a point where they are talking about the world Mm -hmm. and like as a Nephilim maybe you should try and uh, like blend in and you know even though you're trying to become a crazy super powered wizard demon you should probably still go to whatever your simulacrum's day job is. But there is a point where there is a sidebar about being arrested, and I was like, oh, "Oh, shit, Nephilim is woke AF. Because the whole sidebar is like, in America, the police will attempt to arrest you. Go along with it, or they will beat the shit out of you. And I'm like, holy fuck. It is not illegal to be a Nephilim, it says. (laughs) (laughs) It's like... If you are a Nephilim and the cops catch you, then the cops are probably going to be assholes. Do not do anything. Oh my god, the cops are terrible. Yeah. Like, wow, thank you, Nephilim, for being woke. <laughs> but, uh, okay, so the the hooks it gives you are things like, uh, the Templars have invented a computer that's a cyber trap that will catch the brain of a Nephilim. You so have we've, go- we've turned this weird like litharage which is what's left over after uh, a nephilim gets oracalcad yeah if you hit a nephilim with oracalca the, the two of them smack it into each other like matter and antimatter and leave behind a residue called litharge and litharge is uh the rhythm of the who night did rhythm of the night yeah, obviously yeah l litharge <laughs> l litharge yeah I'm, not, I'm with you yeah uh and they're like oh they found some way to use this residue to Combine it with silicone into circuits. Yeah, and they made a, a a virtual world cyber trap, which is the sort of sentence you can encounter in 1994. Yeah, well, it's like, oh, they, they trapped Nephilim brains to make an AI. You're like, okay, great. All right. And then you can get in there, and the computer is as real as Lawnmower Man. <laughs> with graphics almost as good. The... It's one of those, it's one, like I was saying, it's one of those sentences you could still get away with in the early 90s, is combining the real world and the virtual world into a trap most deadly. Uh, yeah, the the suggestions in the back were kind of silly, because mm-hmm. a lot of them were just like, oh, some secret society is being a dick, go stop them. And then the other half of them are, some Nephilim is being a dick, go stop them. Yes, and... Sometimes it's, is this guy a Nephilim? Probably, but you have to go stop him anyway. Oh my god. So, before we get to the the best one, the penultimate of that yeah. is the one right before it, the, where the, it's... The Jack the Ripper comes back. And oh yeah, it, the whole thing is like, oh, many people weren't really sure what was up with Jack the Ripper, but turns out he's a Nephilim and he's reincarnated. Now he's stabbing folks. Can we talk about how pointless Jack the Ripper is? Sure. <laughs> Jack the Ripper is a serial killer from... What, like the 1850s London, who killed six people. Yeah. And for some reason, he really captured the public imagination because, Lord knows, I I very rarely encounter any game that has any kind of time travel that doesn't immediately pull him into being a super murderer of the future. Yeah, it's it's weird. I guess it's mostly just his 
like it's, taunting stuff. I think it's because he didn't get caught. The, the, those couple of things together kind of leave. I, I give him an air of mystery, but Lord knows I do not care anymore. Well, I, no, because the serial killers of nowadays aren't leaving like weird notes for the police and doing stuff. It's why Zodiac Killer is still yeah, the true. same sort of thing because didn't get caught and left weird notes. And it is Ted Cruz. And it is Ted Cruz. Yeah, so so I mean that's it, it's obvious that he's Ted Cruz and so it, that's really captured the public imagination. Yeah. Like, like how Just did, like Ted Cruz's face has. Yeah, it's captured the public's imagination as people try desperately to assemble it into some semblance of a human face. <laughs> yep. It's basically exactly like in Nephilim, his metamorphosis face is really high and now people can't really look at it without realizing that something's wrong. Yeah, and his metamorphosis of choice was lump of melting clay. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely in some kind of weird earth Nephilim and his face is just mud. Oh, God, he's... Anyway, I'm not sure why we've decided to just rip on Ted. I mean, I know why, because I'm so angry about politics right now. Yes, I'm just angry about everything and, right and, now. And we're not allowed, this isn't a political show, and we don't want it to really be one. <laughs> so we can't do that, but oh my god, I'm so angry. I know. Okay, so... Uh, uh, so then there's the last one. The last one. The last thing in the book before the credits. The Which very straight up, when I came over today, <laughs> Jeff was like, Hey, did you... Uh, did you get to the end of the book? And I'm like, oh, yes, I did. The very end? Did you read the last oh, yes. paragraph? <laughs> it's just so excited. We were both super giddy that we knew what we were talking about at the end here. Yeah. Because it is the last thing in the book. The very last page of the book purports that there is a, ne- a rise of neo-Nazi culture in America led by a guy named Richard Sammons, <laughs> which was so close. I know, right? <laughs> I was like, damn, you were you were right there, man. So, so a rise of neo-Nazi culture in America led by a rise named Richard or a man named Richard Sammons, who of course is a fire Nephilim, and his name is Shagar. And, and of course he was Hitler. Yep, that's it. We finally did it. Now we've always had a thing where we're like, oh yeah, anytime there's a secret society or vampires or werewolves or whatever, it's always like, yeah, everything was always one of us. It, was it, it King Charlemagne? Totally was going to be a vampire. Definitely a vampire. The thing is, Hitler is always off limits. Yeah, it's always Hitler was a human because this is the example of how awful humans can be. He is the, uh, like, vampires look at that and go, oh, man, what a monster. We thought we were monsters. There, but for the grace of being a vampire, go I. It, it is always the example of, oh, man, humanity is still fucked up even if you still have real monsters in the world. They always do that. Half the time they go, they go as far as saying, like, Goebbels and and, uh, and Mengele and so on were, were whatever monster it is in that universe. Yeah, it's like, oh, they were werewolves, but uh, Hitler himself was just straight up human. Just a human. Suck on that, people. You don't get forgiveness for the fact that a human did the things he did. Yep. Well, but here nope. in this book, though. <laughs> in here, Hitler was just a, a guy who liked to paint. He was a normal, friendly dude, and then he got taken over by a Nephilim and committed the fucking Holocaust. Congratulations, <laughs> Nephilim. You did it. You excused Hitler. Now, your characters have to go stop this Nephilim who's doing the Fourth Reich now. He's doing a Reich again. Always with them Reichs. <sighs> so many Reichs. And uh, I, the thing is, though, we don't really know much about Shagar and what he's trying to do. Oh, because- he's trying to uh, make it so that only the pure Aryan race are available for simulacrum because hes that's what he thinks the best simulacrum are. So as a question, then, as a, as a different Nephilim... How's that your business? Well, because 
him doing that is definitely going to bring the attention of some secret societies, and it might fuck your shit up. Oh, okay. You don't care that he's killing humans. You only care that it might affect you. Right, so that's what's happened here. The only reason that Hitler was wrong in this universe, in the universe of Nephilim, is because it drew too much attention to Nephilim. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, let me just give you the count in this book. So, Nephilim were Akhenaten. They were Jesus. They were Ahura Mazda and Ariman. Mm-hmm. They were Jack the Ripper, Hitler, mm-hmm. uh, Quetzalcoatl. Quetzalcoatl. Yep. Uh, let's see who else was in there. Thoth, I saw listed at one point. Isis. I, I assume all of the Egyptian gods, but they yeah. don't really they don't really mention it. Basically, all the Egyptian gods were. Yeah. So basically, every important uh, god figure is is a Nephilim, except for God. Yeah. And um, then, pretty much. Oh, uh, Muhammad. Definitely a Nephilim. Oh, yeah. Mentioned as a Nephilim. Yeah, it was... Leader of the the original assassins. Yeah, the, the assassins are like, we're trying to find the Nephilim that had originally possessed him mm-hmm. because we think Muhammad was a prophet and then got possessed by a Nephilim. So the Nephilim knows all the things that Muhammad knew and we're trying to find that Nephilim to get the information out of him. And I went, that at least is an interesting hook, and again, a reason you would play something that isn't a Nephilim. Yeah. One of the things I found fascinating about this game is that... Uh, there's all these secret societies that know Nephilim and know exactly how Nephilim work and shit. There isn't a single one of them that's dedicated to telling the story of Nephilim to the media. No, because all of them also want to control the world. Yeah, you'd think eventually you'd encounter one that was like, no, we don't need to control the world. We just want everyone to know that there's literal possession monsters. Yeah, there are people out there. Your loved one may have been taken over by the spirit of fire that was Hitler. <laughs> God damn it. I couldn't believe they did that. It was the uh, last thing they did, too. It's like, that's what you wanted to end on right before the fucking index is. Oh, also, by the way, oh, God, Hitler locked. was a Nephilim. Out. Bye. <laughs> the big secret. <laughs> Jesus. So anyway, I, I'm, I'm not even sure how your party is supposed to get dragged into doing the things. Like, I have to imagine you all have to be like the same Arcanum so that at least you'd be like, oh, yeah. You all have the same sort of goals then, at least? Yeah, like you all at least are are trying to reach Agartha in the same way. And that way you're also reporting to someone who's telling you to go do this shit. Because otherwise you're like, all these adventures are like, somewhere in San Francisco, a bunch of uh, Templars have made a weird computer that's trapped in Nephilim. You have to investigate their tower and shut down the computer. Like, yeah, but how do I even know that that's happening? Okay, I don't have to do that. I've just finished reading the list of NPCs, and all of them are just like, I like my fishing boat. I stay in my fishing boat. I am a Nephilim. Yeah, all of the Nephilim NPCs they give you are like, I have my own thing I'm doing. Also, fuck everyone else. Don't don't ask me to help you with things. I just wander this sewer. Yeah, it, it really, like I said at the very beginning, there's no hooks. There's nothing as a player that makes me go like, oh, I know exactly what I want to do. I want to make, make this character, and I want to play in this world and do stuff as this guy. Yeah, there's no point where the book's like, your Nephilim should want to go out there and change the world and do things. Which No, it's all, your Nephilim should be focused on navel-gazing and turning themselves into a super being. Okay. It's just it, Which is not conducive to, to strong gameplay. I, I, I don't know. Anyway, I think we should probably get to the best and least. Let's do it. So, John, what would you say is the best thing about Nephilim. Uh, let's see. I had something. We were talking about it before, and I, I was saving it for my best, and I can't remember what it was now. Damn it. Oh, no. You've, you've forgotten the best. I've forgotten the, the best. best. The, the best. best. The best. Can't, can't do, 
That's terrible radio. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Foo Fighters is terrible radio. That is also true. <laughs> All their songs just sound the same. Uh, the Oh, that's what it was. Okay. It was the uh, the past live system is actually going to be my best thing in here mm-hmm. because it gives you a trade-off of the more past lives you have, the more skill points you have, the better you are at certain things. Uh, when you double up on skills, you can definitely uh, like make them as high as like 90% or above. You can get up like over 100%. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it gives you a lot of incentive to do that. But then as you do that, it drops your power because your cause just straight up a measure of how powerful you are. Yes. Uh, so you can go, I'm going to trade just, you know, straight mystical power for skill ability. It's it's at least an interesting thing to go, all right, here's a way to play with the, the system, create a character that has some interesting past lives, and doing it gives me a bonus at the cost of something else. That wasn't bad. I would say that was my favorite thing in here. Mm-hmm. I think they did that system well. Okay. Uh, mine are going to be the best and, and le- uh, worst aspects of a single aspect of the game, which, which is the metamorphoses. Okay. And I like the structure of the, the metamorphosis percentage breakdown where your character becomes increasingly visibly inhuman. Uh-huh. So I like that aspect of the metamorphosis system where, where you have these five aspects by which your character becomes more and more monstrous. Uh, and, and it gives you great descriptions of each one, like, oh, the, the voice of a triton becomes a crackling depth ho- of the hollows. It sounds like Davy Jones's locker has yawned open huh. when a triton talks. So I was like, that's kind of cool. That's neat and descriptive and flavorful. So I liked that because I liked that it gave it wrought real change on the way that your character interacts with the world, which otherwise this game's so navel-gazy that it really, your character feels like they're just immune to any kind of consequence. And you know what I noticed, for example, is that there's no gear or weapon table in this book. Oh, there's there's a weapon table. Did you find one? I didn't find it. I, yeah, I, I, it is one page, and it's just just in the middle. Here's, of the, here's the weapons. Okay, good. Because I was gonna say, there's a lot of things that do damage and do weird amounts of damage. Like there's things that are like, oh, getting shot with this bullet does one d eight plus one d four damage. <laughs> yeah, no, there there's a weapon and armor thing, but it is very, very simple. Okay, fair enough. So my favorite thing though was that metamorphosis table. What is your least favorite thing? <sighs> Man, I gotta go with. Just as part of it being Hitler, the whole Nephilim or everything, mm-hmm. I I just fucking, I don't care. They just drew this map over the world. They were just like, the whole, everything, everything is explainable through Nephilim. It's there's, all Nephilim. It's Nephilim all the way there's, down. There's nothing that's mysterious to Nephilim. That's the other thing, is that Nephilim are, they've got almost pure knowledge of everything. Yes. And because you've been around forever, you're like, oh, you reincarnate. You've had five other lives. You were around before humans were even a civilization. You are an ancient entity, and now you are possessing Bill the truck driver on your way to enlightenment. Yeah. Okay, great. There's never going to be a point where your character's like, oh, I have no idea what that is. It'll always be, oh, is there something mysterious and magical happening? It's a Nephilim. At the best, it's a Selenim. Yeah, it's... One of those werewolf ones that we mentioned Oh, this is something weird. I used my caw vision. Now I know what it is. Done. It, it's just, it, it just seems like they should be bored as they go through the, mo- the motions again. Yeah, I mean, as much as I really think that the Nephilim are the bad guys, even if you're trying to play as them, it's not like, oh, I'm a rad supervillain. No, I'm just real boring. I'm just a boring son of a bitch. Yeah. My least favorite thing is, and we didn't even mention this, during the creation of your metamorphosis, because uh, you're allowed to write your own, it gives you tools for doing so, and one of the things it does is what it calls the Chinese Portrait. 
<laughs> oh, that's right. And the Chinese portrait is 20 questions, that, and they're all things like, if I was a blank, I'd be a blank. And the thing is, it doesn't need 20 for any of them. So, like, for example, for the Undyne, or the, the water mind people, it's, if I was a person, I'd be Jacques Cousteau. <laughs> if I was a thing, I'd be Scuba Gear. If I was a vehicle, I'd be Jacques Cousteau's boat. If I was a book, I'd be The Undersea by Jacques Cousteau. If I was a television show, I'd be The Undersea World. Jacques Cousteau explores the undersea world, starring Jacques Cousteau, produced by Jacques Cousteau. Do you get it? Do you get what your character is? Do you get that he is Jacques Cousteau? Yeah, the all of those questions, though, were just so pointless for almost everything. It was like, oh, if I was uh, metal, I would be, and you're like, I don't, I don't know, brass? Uh, yeah, who gives I, a who, shit, right? What? what yeah, this it, doesn't it, inform anything. If I was a metal, I'd be Jacques Cousteau. <laughs> if I was a metal, I'd be fucking Slayer. <laughs> no way, man. Slayer's all pro-Trump. Fuck them. Right? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I am saying that the Nephilim are the bad guys, yeah. so. <laughs> Fuck you, Slayer. That's the new term. Yeah. So, uh, all right. But like I'm saying, these Chinese Zodiacs are pointlessly long, and they're very unimaginative. In, in fact, there's nothing Jacques Cousteau-y about the Undyne. They're not explorers. They're not naturalists. They're only obsessed with reaching Agartha, just like everyone else. The only reason that they've zeroed in on Jacques Cousteau is because the authors of the book couldn't think of another water guy. Yeah, it's the... Because they had one water guy for the, uh, the oh, body aspect. It had to be a pirate. So it was, a, it was, it was Jack, Blackbeard it was Blackbeard, or whatever. Yeah. Blackbeard, and then they're like, well, who's a good cerebral water guy? Who can we think of that's a water mind dude? I guess Jacques Cousteau is the only thing I can think of, and we're French, so, you know. There it is. It's Jacques Cousteau. But they aren't. They have no other qualities that would suggest that. He's literally a water cerebral guy. Yep, that's it. it and, and every one of the, the uh, Chinese portraits works that same way, and it just drove me nuts. I was like, why introduce this big, complicated system that's supposed to show you a real insight into your own character design? If you're just going to use it to give the same answer 20 times. Oh, the worst is, one of them is, of the questions is, if I was a mythological creature, I would be. I'm like, man, you that's already what my metamorphosis is. Why are you asking me again? If I was a, it'd be great if the elf one was like, if I was a mythological creature, I'd be a dwarf. Oh, <laughs> wait a minute. I, I guess I just should be a dwarf. Huh. So anyway, that was my least favorite. John, would you play Nephilim? Uh, man, I don't... I, I don't know that I could. I, uh, it's just, I would be so angry at myself the whole time. I know. I would, I'd just be like, man, I hate these guys. <laughs> I hate these perfect smug ghosts. I hate these horrible possessing otherworldly entities that are just soul destroying to everyone around them and will ruin a person's life just so they can gain more power. Fuck these things forever. They had the power the first time to stop Hitler, and they didn't. <laughs> they had the power of Hitler. They were Hitler. Fuck you. One of them was Hitler. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I don't want to play this either. Yeah, no. Man, I just can't. I cannot with this. I just I just don't want to. It's just, it's just draining. It just doesn't seem like it'd be a lot of fun. I feel bad because we've been watching people post about this thing for like two weeks now, and they're like, that's my favorite game! How? How is this your favorite game? What the fuck do you do in this? What, how are you having fun? What what game were you playing? No, it's it's, it's all it's the a, time anyone where we review 
some weird old role-playing game. We're like, man, this is garbage. And someone will invariably go, oh, man, I played that when I was a kid. I loved it. And I go, did you? Or did you just love hanging out with whoever you were hanging out with? That's what it is. They were playing some game where it was like, uh, roll percentile. What'd you roll? A 70? Uh, it's good enough. You get, you do it. You accomplish the driving. Okay, great. Let's move on. Let's have, everyone's just, just rolling the story along. Let's have fun. Uh, no one ever stopped you. It was like, yeah, but hang on a second. What's the potential of evidence lockup having a stealable weapon in this room? And let's roll, let's use that against the resistance table. No, everything was just like, oh, I was some dumb kid and I made a guy and I was like, in my past life, I was a butt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in my past life, I was... Uh, a disco man. Yeah. I, I did disco dancing. <laughs> that's that's what happens. I can see this game being fun if it wasn't this game and you played it entirely tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. So. If it wasn't trying to be serious, I would probably enjoy it more, but no. As it stands, I'm going to give it a rating of far too new AG out of a very small tolerance for new AG in the first place. <laughs> yep. I'm going to give this an immortal out of Joe Rune. <laughs> there it is. Those are our ranks, and we are all set. Folks, this has been the System Mastery Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. As always, you can find us at SystemMasteryPodcast.com or System Mastery at Facebook, Gmail, Twitter, or Reddit. Find us at all those locations. Leave us comments, questions, uh, suggestions for other games. Let us know what your actual Nephilim games are because we couldn't figure it out. Oh, don't worry. They're going to let us oh, know. Oh, I didn't need this... to ask for it, but no. I'm just going to give them the permission this now. This is going to be one of those ones where people are angry at us. So, Oh, yeah. So get ready. Uh, I'm ready for so much French hate mail. I guarantee you this one's got a whole... Oh, yeah. Zut alors. Are we ever going to get a lot of that? Sacre <laughs> bleu. Sacre bleu. <laughs> Why do French people always have gravelly voices? <laughs> because I'm bad at impressions. The end. Ta-da. Uh, <laughs> so... Uh, otherwise, you can follow us on System Mastery or Patreon slash System Mastery. If you uh, support us at any amount on Patreon, you unlock bonus content such as the Nephilim characters that we are about to go make. Oh boy, mine was Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man, unless your character is Shagar. No, I'm going to make a different guy, and he was Pol Pot. <laughs> My guy was just also Hitler. Shut up, Brian. <laughs> My guy was Stalin, and then we got into a fight. <laughs> God That's the only reason that... Hitler decided to attack Russia because he was like, I don't like that Nephilim. So he attacked me because I was Stalin. <laughs> Jeez. I'm just so sick of all these Nephilim wars. <laughs> I was teaching Luke Skywalker to fly the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> all right. So like I was saying, you can support us on Patreon if you want. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you in two weeks with a new episode. Until then, have a good week. Hello, John. Hi, man. Yeah. Hyman. Hymans. 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 The Hymans Trophy. Hymans are a thing that was important when I was like 16, but I have spent very little uh, time paying attention to in the years since. Man, Hymans ain't never been important to me. I'm a dude. (laughs) Well, yeah, but you're always thinking about Hymans. You're like, how does... No, that's not really anything that ever came across my mind. I was (laughs) never like, that Hyman, though. (laughs) How about that Hyman? I wasn't really like attracted it's like because they're like deep it's, up it's inside not like lady. on a survey when it was what are you really like in a girl i was like a good hymen a good sturdy republican hymen <laughs> I, but but no i mean like I, it's not like you because they're way up in there i was i was way more concerned with what, what they are and how do they work <laughs> <clears throat> fucking hymens how do they work <laughs> it's one of god's miracles <laughs>
get rid of all this and save